the story that I shared in the book, the house that we lived in Haiti, we lived next to a mumbo, right? And she just looked like a normal everyday person. She had a yeah, daughter yeah. around my age. They may not know what a mumbo is. Sorry to, to jump on your words, but yeah, share, share, explain to yeah. them. Yeah, a mumbo is a, a voodoo priestess. She, you know, she's a, a, she's a practitioner. Um, that's her spiritual um, practice. Welcome, welcome. This sacred conversation again. I am Abiola Abrams, and this is the African Goddess Initiation Summer Fest, where we are honoring all things divine feminine, and we are celebrating the launch of my new book, African Goddess Initiation, Sacred Rituals for Self-Love, Prosperity, and Joy. Today, we are honoring the goddess, Nana Buluku of Benin, who is felt throughout the diaspora as the goddess of new cycles. And her affirmation is, I am limitless. Mm. Along those vibes, we have a limitless sister with us today, a woman who I am proud to have watched her grow and bloom and put her voice out into this world. Goddess Gerda Victor, welcome goddess. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so happy to be here in this sacred conversation with you. Oh, I'm so happy that you are here. So before we start, I often will ask what is your intention for this conversation? And I love what you had to share. And so I'm going to close my eyes. And if you could please share your intention again with all of us. Yes, my intention is that what needs to be said will be said. What needs to be heard will be heard. What needs to be felt will be felt. And what needs to be released will be released. You and who you are and the magic that you make in this world. Gerda Victor is a business and money conscious coach. She helps spiritual entrepreneurs, mystics who are ready to call in more cash in their business, doing their sacred work in the world, heal their money trauma, bust through their fears and activate their unique cash frequency to create the wealth and abundance they desire in their businesses and in their lives. Gerda holds a master's in mental health and counseling with a specialty in trauma. She has 20 years of experience in mind, body, and energy therapy. She uses her combined expertise in counseling mind, body, and energy mastery technique to create the most transformative experience for her clients. And so I will ask you again, Goddess Gerda, so there is your official bio, but who is the woman behind the bio? Who are you behind the bio? Mm, who am I behind the bio? That Sounds like a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, it is, of course. <laughs> I am a lot of things behind the, the bio. And a lot of those things I used to judge and I used to separate. But now I realize I am all of those things and they, they are what makes me me. They are what makes me... Um, unique in, in, in what I do. So it's like, I don't really have words to express who the woman is, but it's like 
who I am is daily and continuously um, unfolding. I'm curious. I am playful. I'm pleasurable. I crack jokes. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I meditate. <laughs> you know, and I think I don't really want to be defined. So perhaps maybe that's why it's always a little bit challenging for me to answer that question because it's like, well, if I say I'm this, then it means I'm not that, but I am all the things. And I get to play with these different energies and express as them whenever they show up and want to play with me. So I'm undefined. <laughs> I get that. I get that so fully and it makes perfect sense. I, I completely relate to that. And I want to share with the people who are watching that you are in the book. You are in Aizan's chapter, Grand Mambo Aizan, who is the first priestess, uh, Lawa Haiti, because you are a daughter of Haiti. And I am so proud that you shared your story with us. You, like me, are a first, well, you are a first generation American yourself. Wait, let's see, how does it go? Because I'm a first generation American because my parents are Guyanese and I'm the first person in my family born in America. But you yourself are an immigrant who was born in Haiti and grew up here yeah. in the dual, dual experience. Can you share a bit about that? Yeah, I was born in Haiti. I spent the first 11 years of my life in Haiti. Um, so it was, I just knew myself as me, right? I, I, I'm just Gerda. I'm just this little Haitian girl. I go to school with my friends. I eat mangoes and, you know, do all, all those things us Caribbean girls do. <laughs> And, um, and as you can relate, you know, our parents will often travel abroad to find better opportunities to give us better opportunities in, in different lives. And my, my mom, actually, I was actually separated from my from my parents, um, because my mom migrated to, to the US. And I stayed back um, for five years before I could come to, to, to live with her. And moving to the US, it was so interesting. There's so many ideas that I had in my head about what the US was like, what the culture was like, what the experience was going to be like. I wanna backtrack a little bit. Before I moved to the United States, I moved to Canada. I lived in Canada. <laughs> I didn't know that. I have a whole contingent of my family in Canada because as you know, when we all immigrate, we end up in many different places. Yeah. Okay. Were you in, my, a lot of my family is in Toronto, but were you in French speaking Canada or, or. Yeah. I was, I was in, I was in Ottawa. Okay. Um, one of my oldest sisters, she lived in Ottawa. So I, I stayed with her and I was one of three black people in the school. I sat next to, I was, I was the only black girl in my class. <laughs> <Been there. laughs> I sat next to a girl who had never seen a black person before. Like she had lived in some rural part of Canada and I guess there were no black people where she lived. So I was her first black experience. <laughs> wow. And here you come in all your beauty and your magnificence. <laughs> yeah. But what I, as I reflect back on this experience and looking at when I moved to, to the US, I never, when I lived in Canada, even though I was in this pool of like, my brother likes to make this joke, like that fly that fell in that bowl of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I never felt like I was rejected. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it was just like, oh, we've never seen a black person before. But I never felt like I needed to prove who I was. I needed to define my blackness or who I was. I needed to make a stance. I was just me. 
I was just me. And when I moved to the US, that was a different experience. It was a different experience. And it actually surprised me because there are people who looked like me were still questioning my blackness. <laughs> like, what are you, you know? And it's, I would say it was very challenging. It, it was very, very challenging because now, even though I was in an environment where there were more people who looked like me, I felt like who I was had to be defended all the time. I needed to define who I was all the time. I needed to make a stance all the time. And it was very confusing. It was really confused. Like, I remember kids would come up to me and ask me if I was black. And I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> but what they meant was if I was African-American. But yeah. I was like, that's an odd question for a black person to be asking another black person. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I, I remember that. And all of that was very confusing. I remember at one point in the high school near where I grew up that, you know, one of my best friends, she said, they're having a, a fight in the school, Blacks against Jamaicans. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I, I was like, wait, it didn't make sense to me again. Like, I didn't understand that, you know, the definition of Black meant Black American. And there were a lot of stigmas at that time, even, you know, amongst being Caribbean, being anything but Jamaican, you know, if you, all that people understood at the time was that you were Jamaican, but if you were Guyanese or Haitian, or there were huge stigmas at that time around the cultural identity. And we didn't learn here in the US, you know, for me, someone growing up in the US, you know, as a black person growing up in the US about Haiti's rich heritage and how, you know, oh my goodness, how phenomenal the history, our history, your history is of being a Haitian person. And so how were you able to, take back your identity and, and define yourself for yourself as Audre Lorde says, you know, define rather than the definition that, of, that people were trying to put upon you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it just came from very early on, just having a strong sense of myself, a strong sense of who I was. I, and and I, ex I experienced the fights myself and my friends, you know? And um, just decided I wasn't gonna change who I was. I was gonna own who I was. I mean, there were times it wasn't safe to be Haitian. It wasn't safe to, you know, let it be known that you were, right? Um, but I just had this strong sense. I mean, ever since I was young, you know, they used to, my family would be like, she's so stubborn, she's so hard <laughs> headed. Like we can't get her to budge. <laughs> <laughs> she makes up her mind, like, you know, she can get her tail, but doesn't matter. <laughs> She's not budging. <laughs> so that really, really, um, really helped me. It was like, I did, I think it was, I didn't know who else to be. I didn't know who else to be. So nothing else fit. I was always different, even within my family, within my culture. It's like, I just didn't know who else to be. <laughs> I think that a lot of people who are watching can probably relate to that, no matter what their cultural background is, you know, feeling the people I think that who are attracted to this conversation, the mystics of the world, you know, the uh, spiritual seekers of the world always have felt on the outside or as Abraham Hicks says on the, you know, there's never a crowd on the leading edge, you know, for, for leading edge thinkers. And it's interesting because a lot of this world is defined as new age or new thought, but this is not new age. This is not new thought. This is ancient thought, as I say in the book, this is what, you know, we have been doing for generations. And I love that you are rediscovering the, your own power in terms of um, 
spirituality in Haiti that has been demonized. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and your journey about that? That's a bit of what a part of your story that we share in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up um, Christian Catholic, <laughs> did my first communion, you know, went to church with uh, my family and everything. I never questioned anything. I was curious. I was curious about a lot of things, um, but I, I, I didn't outwardly question things. I, I did a lot of internal processing and reflection and like, well, if this is this, but that doesn't make sense. Well, how come this and how? <laughs> and as I, the story that I shared in the book, the house that we lived in Haiti, we lived next to a mumbo, right? And she just looked like a normal everyday person she had a daughter around my age. They may not know what a mambo is. Sorry to, to jump on your words, but yeah, share, share, explain to them. Yeah, that. a mambo is a, a voodoo priestess. She, you know, she's a, a, she's a practitioner. Um, that's her spiritual um, practice. And as you said, because that deeply rooted spiritual practice in ancient arts has been so demonized, people fear it. And even there are even practitioners who, even though they are, they, they've responded to the call or, or they practice, they don't openly practice. Or there's like the one foot in, one foot out. Like it's, it's very interesting. Um, I don't want to go too, because like we can go deep down the rabbit hole in that yeah, regard. No, I think that it's, it's a good conversation to have because of course I am deeply familiar with this. And that was even a personal hurdle that I had to overcome in writing this book because it's not in our, it's not in our, our recent cultural DNA to be open about any of this. So even you know, so I had a personal hurdle, like, oh my goodness, like, you know, saying this stuff out loud and in, you know, in a public space that you don't say. And so even having this conversation, this is all, this is new for us to have this conversation recorded here openly, you know? And so our DNA remembers a lot of things. Our DNA remembers, you know, a lot of things, good and bad and being rejected, being, you know, possibly killed, burned, shunned, all of those kinds of things. And in our recent history, one of the things my father, I interviewed him, he talked about um, that there were raids and they had to hide their drums. And this is in my father's lifetime. So, mm -hmm. so let's go deep. Let's go deep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So as I said, the, she lived right next door. And I just remember being curious about her because when I would hear the, the, the stories, the scary stories, I'm like, but she looks like a regular normal person. I don't understand what is the harm. So, you know, as a curious child, I would try to find ways to sneak and peek into her window and <laughs> see what's going on Stubborn Gerda, like your family said, yes, we applaud that stubbornness. <laughs> exactly. And, but, you know, every time I would get caught, you know, I'd get yelled at like, hey, you better get away from there because, you know, she, you know, she might see you and you might lose an, like, you know, all kinds of fear to just keep me away, to keep all of us away um, from, from that. So fast forward, it was like, okay. Actually, you know what's interesting in high school, because I was so intrigued by this voodooism. I was so intrigued by it. And in high school, I did a paper. I had to do a big like research paper on, on, on something that I had to, I can't remember. It was like a, it's a certain type of paper that I had to write to prove something. I can't remember what it was called, but I chose voodoo. I chose to talk about it as a religion, as a spiritual practice. That's and so I didn't even know. You, as a high schooler to, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this just came back to me. I was like, oh my God, I've always been 
like interested in this and I was set out to find out the truth. That's what it really was for me. I wanted to find out the truth. So I did the research paper. I did a lot of research about, you know, the roots and the practices and all of that. Cause for some reason I was determined to prove that it was a religion. It wasn't, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's those ancestors when they, when they get in your bones and they're like, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So I did that paper in high school, didn't really think anything of it. And then fast forward again in life, go to college. I become a massage therapist right after college. I got my degree and then I was like, eh, I'm going to massage school again. Don't know why went to massage school, started learning about energy hands-on healing and I started to see and 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 I'm now making reference to the bible laying on the hands and how you know they talk about Jesus performing miracles I was like wait a minute <laughs> that's the same thing yep energy is energy is energy miracles is miracles is miracles laying on of hands laying on of hands laying on of hands yeah so mm. I was in my world's open really when I went to massage school and started learning about energy um because that's when I really started to realize a lot of those stories that I would hear that would create fear I'm like it's all energy and it's people who have learned to connect with the energy are able to master energy are able to get things to move are able to do the unexplainable and I have experienced the unexplainable and so for me now it's and I've always known this I've always known this the path the the religious path that I was in I think I was like 22 I said to one of my friends you know what I don't know if this Christianity thing is for me she was like really I'm surprised because you know I was going to church all the time <laughs> She's like, she's like, really? I'm surprised I didn't expect that from you. And part of it was me trying to find out the truth. Mm -hmm. So when I was in church, I was like really committed to really understand what was what. Um, but then it just seemed to me like the message was very conflicting. It just seemed to me that this God was not quite the God that, that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of fear because of course, everything I've been taught, I was like, oh my God, it's the devil in me. Oh my God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but I, I just kept feeling the pull. I just kept feeling the pull that there's something else. Like this isn't, there's something else. I don't know what it is. And my psychic abilities started to develop. And I remember just growing up and you'll hear this Haitian people say a lot. We actually make this joke that sometimes when your parents, they don't want you to go out, they'll say, you know, you shouldn't go out today. I had this dream. <laughs> I had these parents too. <laughs> Yet there's truth to that. Yes, they may say that at times to keep us in the house, but there's truth to that. And I would experience it. Like I would have a dream about something and it would happen exactly in the dream. So then I started asking my mom, because my mom would say, you know, there are a lot of people on my mom's family side who are clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. They would have dreams or intuitions about things. But it was still like, it wasn't owned. It wasn't really owned. It was just kind of like, oh, just this random thing some people in the family have. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It's not a random thing. It's, it's, it's a gift. So then I started to ask questions. Then I find out that my, um, my paternal grandfather was a mystic. And my great-grandfather was also a mystic. And I was like, huh, I'm closer to home than I think. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. This is such an important conversation because, you know, um, I talk about this all the time and, and, I, and I talk about this in the book as well, that 
we didn't necessarily, they didn't use, they don't use that language. Like my mother is clairvoyant and clairaudient, but she wouldn't use that language, right? They didn't use that language. They use different language, but it's the gift that they have. And it's something that we then tend to dismiss, you know, or we know that, okay, well, they dream when somebody's pregnant or when something's happening or, and we dismiss it, but it is, it's, it's the same it's the same gift that, you know, when people use the word psychic and people use the word clairvoyant and clairaudient and clairsentient, it's the same gift. And we come from, like with you and your family, the same in my family, I come from generations of mystics. I'm sure that, you know, if it's your grandfather and his father, that it's generations going back that this is, this is who you are and who you always have been. That's why you had that curiosity at a young age. That's why you have been stubborn, Gerda, you know, <laughs> that, that you, are the, you are the current incarnation of that magic and that brilliance going through. And so share a bit about your recent journey in the past few years and going back home to Haiti to, to boldly reclaim that heritage. Yeah. Wow. So I made a decision. It was probably four or five years ago where I was doing this thing. Do I go to, do I keep going to church or do I follow this path? Am I going to hell? Like, you know, and I remember I had one of those kitchen floor moments. (laughs) I said, you know what? I'm done. I just want to know the truth without any dogma, without any religion, without like strip it all away. I just want to know the truth. And I wrote it on the sticky, show me the truth. And I put it on my wall. And I said, I don't care wherever I am led. If in the end, it's like you need to shave your head go to a convent and become a nun, then that is what I will do. I don't care. I want the truth. And I was led to different places, to different people, different conversations, and it just kept unfolding. I got initiated into a mystery school. And I remember after that, I was so shook. Because I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Oh, my God. Because it was just like I'm making that. It's it's a break, but it's a clean stance for me, right? And I remember after that, I didn't come home. I was just like walking around my neighborhood like, was this the right thing? And all these questions. And I went to grab some food. And I... The place was empty when I got there. The place was completely empty. I was the only person in there. And I went led, right? I was led to sit all the way in the back of the restaurant by a window. And I sat and I look on the windowsill. There was a a card, uh, an oracle card. (laughs) And it said guardian angel on there. Oh, and it was like, okay. See, I'm, I'm even getting chills telling you this now. I am too. I am Because it was like, oh, all right, we're doing this. So it was really a journey then of unlearning a lot and really connecting to who God is. And... And that's still unfolding for me, if I'm if I'm really being honest. But get into the place of acknowledging there's no separation, that I am divinity itself, yeah. that I, that that there's there's no separation, and everything that I've been taught had created separation, and that's what was creating the suffering, in all areas of my life. <laughs> and there was that one area that I was still like, I don't know about that the ancestral stuff as much as I kept saying like connection and again everything that I was taught about that was it was a it was not a um, integrative thing it was like 
These are the people that passed before. You need to respect them. You need to bow down to them. And you got to do what they say. And I was like, well, I don't want nobody controlling my life. I don't know if I want to get down with that. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> so even though I was doing all the other things, getting to the energy, but this aspect of like connecting with my roots and, and my ancestors, I was like, I don't know. And some of what I know, I'm like, they weren't very conscious people. Right. So I had a lot of judgment. I, I had a lot of rejection, actually, of, of that. But it kept coming back that I needed to at least find out, again, the truth. So after we went, I, I went on the retreat with you. I met, um, oh, my goodness, I am forgetting. Arts and Mountain Spirit. Yes. yes. And she was like, right? what do you? I was saying you came with me on the Belize retreat. Yes, on the Belize, Belize retreat. Belize. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And she, and then she saw it all. She was like, "You are from a line of mystics. There's so much medicine in your lineage, and you're walking around here like you don't know who you are. <laughs> Stop it." <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And I was like, "Okay, all right." Um, there's a, a, a healer in my community. He's actually a, a dancer and he was organizing this trip to Haiti. And it was for during the Feast of the Ancestors, which I've been, I've, I've lived in Haiti around Fete Gede is what we call it. Fete Gede is Feast of the Ancestors. It's like, if you're not a, a voodoo practitioner or an initiate is just like, oh my God, you gotta stay in your house and don't go out, don't this, don't that. And a lot of fear. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Fed That's what's happening. <laughs> did you tell your family? I did not. I was just like, I'm going to Haiti. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to Haiti. And I didn't explain, I didn't. And I, I honestly, I didn't feel like I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I just went and, and and I stayed with, I stayed, I didn't, because I have family in Haiti. Usually when I go, I stay with family, but I stayed with him. I stayed, you know, we stayed in a hotel, it was myself and this other woman who was a, a drummer and I participated in everything. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and I'm going to everything and see for myself because there's also been this, you know, perhaps is the practitioners wanting to keep it sacred, wanting to protect it. There's also been this, um, I feel like this covering of the practice. And so it was just like, I'm going to be a part of everything because he's, he's, he's an initiate. He's going to all the ceremonies. I will say there's still a lot of things that I don't understand what they do or why they do the things that they do. But I am clear now that even though this is ancient teaching, those of us who are here now, we get to bring a unique flavor to it. That's what I got because I had all this fear about, well, they do this. I don't know if I want to do that. And they do this. I don't know if I want to do that. And then I realized Even recently, even recently, I got this, I needed to make a specific dish for like whatever, like it's usually cooked for our ancestors. And I got, I should make this specific dish. Mm -hmm. I live in the US, right? Right. I'm not going to go and make this like a 10 hour project. (laughs) Right, right. You're not going to kill the chicken yourself and, you know, do the whole, yes. Yeah, it's like, okay. I can do this in my crock pot. How about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we and use what we have available to us. Exactly. And what I realize is they're not judging. Right. I'm the one who was carrying the stories. I'm the one who had the judgment. I'm the one who was resisting. And however people other people choose to experience their ancestors and have that connection with them that is their choice and it is it's it's not mine I don't have to take that on I'm me (laughs) 
I'm me, I can do it my way. And the big piece that was also revealed to me was the fear of using magic for abundance. That was big. Yeah, I want to let's let's talk about that. I want to talk about that because you are a money mystic in how you put your yourself into the world. Um, and and so that is at the forefront of, you know, I would think would be the fear of like, okay, using my gifts for profit or using my gifts for, you know, but before we go into that, um, I want to just touch on you've been attracting the energy of Eve recently. And Eve, my first company that I had my first very first brand a very long time ago was named Eve's Magic. Mm. And my website was Eve's Magic. Yeah. And my, my, I have a grandmother whose name Eve is a part of her name. And, and so, and I love that you have been attracting the energy of Eve. I just wanted to just acknowledge that and also acknowledge I'm getting this persistent download that even though I'm trying to ignore it, it's like keeps coming to me. So I'm going to say it, although I don't fully understand it at the moment, but you know that, you know me. Um, I feel like at some point we're going to do a retreat together in Haiti. Yes. And I don't know. I, I feel that very strongly and I just had to just say it. Oh my God. I'm getting tingles all over because I got that as I was in the shower. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, I had a retreat plan in 20 for 2020 the liberated goddess retreat. I didn't, I don't think I did know that. If I knew, I don't remember. Yeah, because I went to Haiti in 2018, I believe for Fed Gede. Okay. I went to the, um, to the Citadel, mm -hmm. which is um, the big fortress that was built um, by Henri Christophe mm -hmm. after, you know, Haiti got its independence. Um. So I went to Fedgede, I went there, I went to Sodo. So it was just like, I was picking up all the ingredients. Oh my God, I'm getting chills and I might even I am cry. too, I am too. I was getting all the ingredients to put this retreat together. Mm. And in 2019, I went back again um, through a, a tour company because I wanted to go to the specific town of um, Cap Haitian, which mm -hmm. is where the Citadel is. Mm -hmm. And I met this lady, she's phenomenal. Like I had the whole retreat laid out, girl. The whole thing laid out. Is she a professor, the lady you met? She's, she's not a professor. I, are you referring to Baina Bello? Yes. Yeah. So this is someone else, but she is connected okay. with, with, with um, Baina. Okay whom I met actually two years ago when she came to Boston to promote her book, The, the Revolutionary Woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I had it all planned. So this retreat is coming because I, I had the download when I was in the shower. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay. Let's just talk about uh, this now we, we ooh, okay. <laughs> let's talk about as we close your gifts as the money mystic and how you help spiritual entrepreneurs and seekers mystics to be able to tap in to their abundance <sighs> um <clears throat> When I decided that I'm gonna do this thing, um, you know, from my background, I have a lot of certification, a lot of qualifications, but we're still struggling on how to put that together. And, but I was clear that that's what I was supposed to do. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. So I went ahead and, and got support and I was just attracting things. Like people would just email me. Do you want to host this event? Do you want to teach this class? Referrals were coming in. Um, my classes, I used to teach um, expressive dance, transformational dance. Um, 
my classes were filling up. People were emailing me to teach private classes. Even as a massage therapist, random, I would get all these private clients coming out of nowhere. Again, I still didn't understand what was happening. And then it hit me. I started to notice, particularly when I started to teach dance, there are a lot of certified teachers who were struggling to get people in their class. And I was like, well, what, what is going on there? Right. And th this is not, I want to be clear, this isn't a judgment of other people, but it was clearly noticing like I had just completed my certification, literally just completed my certification. Like no one knows me. <laughs> yes, yes, but yeah. you're a magnet. Right. Yes. And I started to feel guilt that I was having all this success and other people weren't. I literally, it's like I was looking for empty classes. <laughs> like what, it was just, and then I started to not want to share that. Oh my God, because we had our own Facebook group. When people were saying, I held a class tonight, no one showed up. Or I held a class tonight, only one person showed up. And I'm like, oh my God, my class sold out. And I started to feel this guilt, like it's not okay for me to have this and they don't have it. And I remember the day that I thought that I had an empty class. <laughs> I went, no one had signed up ahead of time. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna experience this. I've been fearing this because that's what other people has been experiencing have been, I've decided it should be my experience too. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to experience this. And I went into the studio. I said, if no one shows up, I have a whole studio to myself. I'm just gonna have my process and I'm gonna dance. And I got something that rose inside of me. It was like guttural. And I was like, and this will never be my experience again. Eight people showed up to class. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, there's something to this. And I had to get clear on other people's money story doesn't have to be my story. I can have abundance. Actually, I've had abundance. And I, because of my guilt, shame, I um, rejected it. And I created situations where, you know, my bank account was overdrawn um, and debt, you know, all, all this stuff. And, but, I recognized that it had to be created for me to recognize that I picked, I decided to pick up a story that was not yeah. my story. That was not your story, which for you, it's natural as an empath. We think that, okay, you know, in order to relate to these people, or like you said, having guilt, or why am I having success and why aren't they? So yes, let me pick up the story. Oh, it's hard to fill classes. Oh, it's hard to make money. Oh, it's difficult to have abundance. All of those stories that, as you said, are not your story. Yeah. are not your story. And so now you use your gifts in order to help others to see their money story and realize, recognize the same. Yeah. And you know, what I got, what I tapped into is what I call your unique cash frequency. Like how goddess Abiola will attract abundance and create wealth in her life is not how I will create wealth in my life. We all have our unique way that we pull money in, but I want to even reframe that because attracting pulling implies there's separation. Yes. Woo. There is no separation. Money is energy. I am an energy. 
So now I'm working with these energies and expanding my capacity to receive and helping my clients to do that, to unlock that energy within them. It's not something out there they have to attract. (laughs) Yes, you are the money. You You are are the money. money. You are the wealth. You are the abundance. You don't have to attract it. You just have to activate it within you. It is within And once I got that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, once you tap into that energy, there's not a lot of, you don't need to manage, right? There's, you don't have to manage because that energy is you. Because like the big thing I, you know, when I was working on my money struggle, it was like, well, how do I, how do I tap into abundance? How do I feel abundance? Where's abundance? <laughs> right. <laughs> And when I'm seeking it as something that I got to attract out there and it's like, oh, okay, I think I got it. I made $2 and then it's gone. (laughs) Whatever you chase is always going to be running from you. So if you're thinking I got to chase money, I got to chase opportunities, you're applying again, separation. Yeah. And this is the piece that I, a lot of people struggle with. Like, how do you feel wealth or wealthy or abundance when you don't have any money in your bank account? The illusion is we need the physical thing to give us the feeling. All we want is the feeling, right? Yes, I I understand. Yeah. If you see zero, 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 and then the mortgage is due, the carpet is due, like you're like, oh. <laughs> yet, <laughs> yet it's still given something external power because you can have zero in the bank account and still tap into abundance and st- because it's you, it's you, it's your frequency, it's, you, it's in you. And once you can be that, well, like attracts like, the opportunity, the opportunities, they're there. The money is there. I, I did a, a activation for a client very recently. She found $3,000. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Be the money you wish to see. Exactly. You wish to see. Yes. Exactly. So this is the thing that really lights me up because this isn't something that I'm reading and I'm trying to understand. Like this is an experience. Like I've had the experience for myself and I've guided people through that experience. Like you, you can feel this abundance. You can activate this within, regardless of what the circumstances are. Yes. Because we create the circumstances anyways. Yes, we're creating all of it. (laughs) Exactly. All of it. Well, this is a beautiful conversation. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I was intending for this to be a 15, 20-minute conversation, but clearly the ancestors had something else in mind with our beautiful sacred intention. And I'm trying to remember, did we give the intention? Was that when we did the first recording? I don't think, or did you get to share that in this conversation? We did. We did. Okay, good. Just making sure, just making sure. (laughs) This was magical. And I am, I'm so proud of you and so looking forward to our collaborations, our joint births and manifestations. And you are just proof of the power of of, of living in your own activation, living in your own frequency and vibration, activating your own magic. Yeah. And I'm so very proud of you. Thank you so much, Goddess Gerda, for this sacred conversation. Thank you. It was such a joy, such a pleasure. I'm honored that you reached out and I'm so glad that I was able to say yes and make this work. <laughs> and let folks know where to find you and find all of the stuff that you have going on yes so um you can find me on instagram gerda victor on facebook gerda victor (laughs) 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 on my website uh www.gerdavictor.com i'm also on clubhouse now 
the Gerda Victor. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I did create something very special for um, your audience. This was actually something that was, um, I had started it and I put it down. I started it, I put it down. It was just like, oh, now it wants to come through, which is the Wealthy Goddess Manifesto. Excellent. Which is the activation of your unique cash frequency, the, the, the declaration really of your wealth and abundance, because it is time, you know, like money's just not going to fall out of the sky, no matter how much we think it is. But we, we have to declare that wealth and abundance is ours and claim it. And, and, and embody that, embody that knowing, embody that knowing that it is yours to have, you're worthy and deserving, it is yours to have. So that's what the goddess manifesto is really about. Um, the five keys, I think I have three keys of like what it is to really tap into that energy and, and lock it in because it is the embodiment. A lot of what I share, a lot of what you share, people already know, right? If knowing was just enough, right? The <laughs> but embodiment. embodiment. It's the embodiment. It's the embodied knowing that really makes a difference. So my intention is with this manifesto is that people tune into it and, and really pull the energies and start to really um, embody that. And if they want to have their own personal wealth activation, then they can reach out to me and and we can do that um, also. Okay, good, good. I want to just reiterate, if you would like to experience a wealth activation, definitely get in touch with Goddess Gerda and click the link and get her, her goddess activation, goddess, nope, goddess manifesto. Yes, wealthy goddess. With a wealthy goddess manifesto. Thank you again, goddess Gerda. And thank you so much for watching. Salbona, that means we see you and I will see you in the next sacred conversation. Thank you. Thank you.